This is Ethnic Stew, a new podcast on race and ethnic relations from the standpoint of parents and grandparents of biracial children. Here are your hosts, John Gladden, J.P. Kendall, and Jill Kendrick. Hey, we appreciate you being with us today. Uh, Jill wasn't able to be here uh, for this particular podcast, uh, but J.P. and I are here. The media has been a catalyst for change, especially in the 20th century with the power of photography and video recordings, especially in the civil rights movement in the last half of the past century. Mamie Till Bradley's agonizing decision to show the body of her son Emmett in an open coffin so the world could view his mutilated body after he was killed for whistling at a white woman in the Jim Crow era South. Videos of civil rights marchers being chased, tear-gassed, and beaten on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Or video of Bull Connor's police force releasing dogs on protesters in Birmingham, Alabama. Later, the video of Rodney King being beaten by a California policeman after a car chase sparked outrage and race riots in Los Angeles. More recently, the advent of the cell phone video recorder has shown at worst, the blatant bigotry of some police departments towards people of color to, at best, a careless disregard for the safety of people of color while in police custody. Civilians have recorded police interactions, often deadly interactions. And these recordings helped deepen suspicions about policemen on the part of black and brown populations in the United States and now, in 2022, it can be argued that faith in police is at its lowest point in the United States. And why not? When a sheriff's deputy recorded this and uploaded it on TikTok. I can go 90 miles an hour. You can't. You can't do that. So get the out of the way. A Washington state police officer is suspended after posting a controversial video to TikTok. If us officers stay behind you long enough, we can find a reason to pull you over. So you might as well get the out of the way. The since-deleted TikTok was created by Federal Way Police Officer Brianna Strauss, who said it was a public service announcement for other drivers. PSA to everyone out there. I'm speaking for myself, but I'm probably speaking for a large majority of other officers out there. If we're driving on the freeway in our police car, get the out of the way. Get the out of the way. In the 38-second clip, Strauss tells the viewers, quote, I can go 90 miles per hour. You can't. She also says officers will find a way to pull someone over. If us officers stay behind you long enough, we can find a reason to pull you over. So you might as well get the out of the way. While the video was removed from TikTok, it made waves across the Internet when a Reddit user posted a screen recording of the video. If you merge and we follow behind you and we merge too, you're probably in trouble. Best way to find that out is get the f- out of the way. Earlier this year, when marshals were trying to serve an arrest warrant on a murder suspect, black neighbors surrounded the police while several toddlers in diapers punched, kicked, and taunted them. Yeah, 
If you didn't catch it, the, the toddler taunts included, hey pig, go away pig, fuck off, nasty ass police. An older bystander called the police, which included both black and whites, deep fried Oreo heads. Now, the, the average two-year-old's vocabulary usually doesn't include those words, so clearly these toddlers have heard these words and phrases from family. But then, in downloading these videos, I happened on another video from a Black Lives Matter protest. A young, frightened black girl approaches a white policeman and tearfully asks, Are you here to shoot us? The girl's mother quietly admonished, Don't say that. And the white policeman takes the little girl in his arms to comfort her and says, We're not here to hurt you at all. You can protest. You can party. Do whatever you want. Just don't break nothing, okay? So it's pretty clear there's a deep divide between police and some communities, both white and black. It's also pretty clear that just like there are good people and bad people, there are good and bad cops. So we'll be talking with police officers from time to time and sharing their thoughts and stories because just like many of us can't truly understand what it's like to be, for example, a black male driving home late at night and seeing the police lights behind him, many of us also can't truly understand what it's like to actually be in that police car day after day. We'll be talking with police from across the country in cities large and small, trying to grasp what it's like to be out there on the front lines. Today, we talk with Nathan, a sergeant in the Michigan State Police, posted far north in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Among other things, Nathan believes the media, once a positive force for change, must share some of the blame for the deep divide between citizens and police. If you break the law, you'll hear from me. I know I'm working for the state. I'm the highway patrol. Didn't this deputy know that things were going to backfire on her? Whoever they are, I think are pretty stupid. You know, who sits there and records herself saying, get the F out of the way, get the F out of the way, and then posts it to TikTok. I mean, that's just stupid. As a police officer, I think that we are, should be a little bit better than that and not even on TikTok. I mean, I'm a sergeant at the St. Ignace Post. There's a pretty big generational gap between a couple of us, probably three, and then there's this, a big faction of troopers who are young and that's their thing. And I, social media and attention and everybody's got to know where you are and what you're doing. And I just look at it and say, what the hell are you doing? Are you stupid? I mean, we've had troopers in the state police get fired and stuff on social media. Our own director, um, you remember back when the uh, Facebook thing was getting passed around about the basket of deplorables that were kneeling for the flag during the national anthems. Our own state police director forwarded it on and it was a pretty negative comment people who were kneeling for the american flag during the national anthem and all she had done was forwarded it she didn't make it up well she got some time off for that the director of the state police was held accountable so we've had people get in trouble for that so i just look at that and say that's just nonsense like you can go on tiktok and type in police officer and there are thousands upon thousands of videos of police officers just begging for attention so i question their motives i question people that are like that 
that in this profession because police officers historically and by nature and should be pretty humble, I think. The other example of a group of people chirping at the police, it's not right, but it happens, right? If you're raised in a situation where you maybe overhear aunts and uncles who maybe have had experiences negatively with the police, you hear them talking about it and say as a child, you hear that growing up and then fast forward where we are right now, the media loves to stir up the bee's nest. Well, this is a prime time for that. So, so you turn on the TV and the media is preaching and showing videos of everything your parents or aunts and uncles described. You think that that's just the way it is. And then it becomes all police are bad and all police are out to get me. You can put whatever race. It's black and white, right? Everything is black and white. But you can say every race that there's assumptions about them. And, you know, there's white trash that act like assholes too. you know, lots of it. Right. So and that's my experience. You know, we we deal with that type of person up here way more. We don't we don't have a, a, a lot of minorities or black people. You know, our race that is not white is Native Americans. Right. So I just wish that. It wasn't like this because my theory on this whole shit show is we as a country need to stop talking about race and just start being Americans, all of us, everybody, because the minute you talk about race, we're, we're dividing. And so the more we talk about it, the more we're dividing. And we just need to get back to everybody's an American Enough is enough. And I don't know how to hold the media accountable because you hear so many people say we are back into the 60s with race and we haven't gained anything. But yet, you know what? You know, and it's not really probably fair for me to even say this because I've never experienced any of it. But at the same time, I look at the world and I say, I don't think we're back to the 60s before we really made some efforts to make the situation better. I, I just I don't see that. But maybe I'm not looking in the right places. You know, we've made humongous strides. Black people, we have a better representation now than what we've had before. And I think also to white America, in a lot of ways, we have a better representation. It's important to like, for these kids to see black people in not only positions of power, but difference. We need to see black opera singers. We need to see black mathematicians and, and people like that. Because if you keep doling out this lower mentality, that's where you stay. If you look at it, Paul, like for instance, you have rednecks and you have ghetto black people and people say there's a difference, but it's not a difference. The difference is one's black and one's white. Normally when people are you know white, they're considered intelligent, argumentative, wanting to fight, wanting to drink, have a low mindset. And you can flip that right around and say people that are ghetto. It's not that you live in the ghetto. It's your action that makes you ghetto. Your actions is what makes you a redneck. Because I was always raised, they're racist. So that's their problem. That has nothing to do with the fact that you need to achieve and you need to do better. And, you know, you bypass it. Because, you know, everybody's not going to like you. So to let that be a thorn in your side is crazy. And also, too, it's kind of disrespectful because I'll let somebody come along that is hateful and, and, you know, and they'll say something wrong to me, whatever. Don't let that cancel out of all the good friends, henceforth, like people like John, you know, and other people's and teachers and coaches and stuff. 
you know, why are you going to let that cancel out what one idiot says, cancel out the way you feel oh, toward these people? You know, I've had cops give me a hard time and I've had cops bait me wanting to fight and be resist, you know, to resist. And I knew what they were doing. I, I can't let the cops that I know and who befriended me, who I've done things with, and I still know, and I can still pick up the phone and call and everything. I can't let that be canceled out because then that becomes my problem. A lot of those people, they just don't dislike white cops. They hate all cops. And I just don't understand the mentality because, like I said, you're no damn good until I need to. And then when I need to, you know, it's like, you know, you weren't here fast enough. Well, if you were here fast enough, thank you, officer, until the next day. And then it's, you know, went from a handshake to a, you know, a finger, you know, it's just I don't understand that mentality. But I I think there's a bigger thing going on, though, because. For the most part, no matter what race you are, the people are actually good, right? The, the people are decent people. They support common sense. They support common sense policing. But it's the media that is creating this environment where there's all this hate. And I truly think that both sides, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, are kind of being played by the media. Because right now you're kind of seeing a little bit of a shift where and, and not so much as of the last two weeks, but the media undulates like sometimes daily, right? And so it's all about money, really. It's keep the people stirred up. Let's pitch one set of uh, BS on one news channel and one set of BS on the other news channel. And none of it's really probably fully true. It's all a bunch of, it's all a bunch of bullshit, quite frankly. But yet it gets you sucked in and... The only answer I see to it is just to stop watching the news. Yeah, I, I'm hearing I'm, I'm reading so many articles about people afraid that there is a civil war coming. And then I read articles that say that that is absolutely ridiculous. And they look deeper at the polling. And it's it's just like Nathan said, the, the media looks good for their bottom line when they've got polarization but but if you really look at the statistics it's 15 percent on the far right and 15 percent on the far left well <laughs> uh that's th- that leaves 70 percent of us that just want to live their lives the last time i checked 70 percent was enough to call all all the shots unfortunately a, a big chunk of that 70 percent that vote will only vote when they feel threatened in one way or another. I've been training to be a um, USCCA instructor. And when I go in there and talk to guys about the guns and stuff like that, if I go in that store and there's 15 people in there, six or seven of them, as they talk, you hear them say they're training and stuff because there's going to be this big civil war coming about. Oh, and they're going to be ready to back Trump and, you know, and everything. And so they're, you know, they're buying all these, these ammunition and stuff. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? You know, they just, it's Think, that's just crazy civil war. And it, <laughs> if you want to talk and, and these are the same, these people don't know their history. You know, they talk about the Civil War like it was something great. Well, what was the Civil War fought over, dumbasses? That's just 
crazy to think that. One of the things that JP mentioned when earlier he had talked about the body cameras and how are those perceived? I'm sure it's different from place to place, but for the most part, troopers don't mind them. At first, you know, you're questioning, right? Like everybody's watching what I do and they're just using this to get me, right? And see me screw up or whatever. But the majority of those recordings and interactions, when there are issues that arise, actually save troopers from stressful investigations, like internal investigations and stuff. Because people come in somewhere in the state, every day there's people coming in grumbling about troopers and you can go and look at the body cam footage and lo and behold it's not the way that the person said and you just move on from it so i think with the way the questioning of police nowadays i think that for the most part people are glad to have them because they're saving your bacon more than they're getting in trouble with them sure sure you know to me that's what the other thing too with this whole thing that we just had a trooper get charged downstate for basically punching a guy. He punched a guy and then something happened. And then a short while later, he punched the guy, I think, four times in the face. They also charged some people with failing to intervene. And I, I don't know if that was fair, but the trooper that's punching this handcuffed suspect, that's bullshit. And he, he, he's getting charged with as a criminally charged as he should. But I look at that and say, you know, as a police officer, that everybody has body cameras. Pretty much every police officer has them now. And you're stupid enough to go and punch somebody. You know, I don't know what led up to all this, right? You know, to do it and then have all these police officers there and then a few minutes later do it again. Stupid. Which brings up a topic that I think as a police department, because we're failing the public by letting the media win this narrative that police are all bad and we're letting the media win that right well we don't only let them have the bad videos but let's face it the only time the media puts any videos of police officers on the news it's when they're screwing up usually right so i think as a police agency like take this incident i just described to you where this trooper punched this guy these aren't the facts around the case but let's just pretend for a minute make a hypothetical because police officers get speed spit on police officers get kicked in the nuts right how about the next time a police officer gets spit on and he remains composed and takes the suspect into custody with the normal force continuum which is basically the minimum amount of force to affect the arrest how about we put that in the media Look at how the trooper, you know, remained composed after the suspects hocked a loogie on him. That's like one of the most grotesque things to do to somebody to oh, spit on. Abs- to me, that, that is such a personal affront. And it's nasty, right? So yeah. most times when people spit on you, you don't punch them in the face. Even though growing up on the playground, if somebody spit in your face, they were met with a knuckle sandwich, right? So, so I, I don't know. I think in some ways this whole thing we need to go back you've been pretty open about how things and how police approach things uh, from a pr standpoint needs to change especially when you guys are dealing with domestic problems you know you're being called on to be negotiators psychologists how do you guys feel about 
calls for additional training, you know, like in non-traditional police tactics, like de-escalation techniques is or continuing education. What, what's your thought on that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a huge push in the state police. Right now they're pushing education to the point where, to be honest with you, it's kind of like when it comes to education, you have opportunity and you need to capitalize on your opportunity to make sure what you're putting out there is something that people are going to take seriously because if every month you're putting out something, troops are just going to click through it and not even retain it or care. That makes sense. I think the de-escalating training uh, where we're at right now as a world and as a country is huge. I think it's huge for young troopers, young police officers. I think by the time you're a 20-year police officer like you know, myself, I've been doing it for 22 years. I think I, I, I'm not trying to say I've honed the craft of de-escalation, but I know how to de-escalate a situation, right? And I also know how to escalate a situation because I've been doing it so long. So for me, maybe there might be a few things I might learn, but I think it's very important for the young troopers to go through de-escalation training. Continuing education we're big on that. We, they have that. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's really truly that important. Um, you kind of, it becomes a distraction, if you will. We're right now, we're training so much in the state police that it's becoming an issue where people are starting to really complain about it and it's eating away at morale. So I think it's a fine line. I think de-escalation training and the requirements that the state and i think it might even be something that they're talking about with that nationwide uh police reform stuff it is you can talk about de-escalation training too from an aspect of you know we've militarized our police after september 11th we they trained to treat everybody as a suspect always watch the hands you never know who's going to kill you so Basically, we're treating it as an us against them mentality when it really should be the opposite way. But if you treat people the opposite way, because that's how I always kind of did it. Some people kind of looked at me as I was aloof because I would talk to people like they were just normal human beings. I would shake their hands and I was kind of a jovial type guy, right? When it came to dealing with people, we need to get back to maybe some of that. Like the training, though, is you got to... It's a fine line as far as sometimes it's too much, right? And, and with the de-escalation training, you know, maybe somebody might read the situation wrong and de-escalate when in the reality he should escalate. But but that might happen one time out of a thousand. And maybe those other 999 times we've de-escalated properly, right? So I don't think this whole this thing is ever going to be perfect. It's never no, going to be perfect. Fortunately, that's what they're wanting. And sometimes well, I think a lot of it is just kind of clickbait. They, they're saying they're giving you this education just to be able to throw something on your record and say, hey, look, we're covered. We told him to do this. And so that, anything, is, that is you know, so true. I know yeah. you guys talked about that Minneapolis police officer that shot that guy with, with her taser. You look at that and you say, if that didn't happen during two years ago or whenever it happened, that was a flat out accident. That was and an accident. We can't put people in prison 
for that because this is never going to be perfect. She went to the aid of a black cop. She was trying to save a black cop. All the right. just about all those other cops, they were black cops. And I don't know how they dug racism into that. I, I'm still floored about oh, that. And, well, and here's the thing. If you're going to want police officers, you're going to have to accept the fact that there's going to be times that we screw up with no malice, right? Right. And if you if there's no malice in your actions, son of a pup, you shouldn't be going to prison. If I was on that jury and and I saw the full video, including her immediately losing it afterwards and being inconsolable and, and sitting on the curb and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing, she knew immediately that she had screwed up. I don't know if I would have, if the consensus was to give her time, I would have fought for the, you know, the minimum amount and that, and that she be, and that she not come back. I mean, for the family, at least for the family. Yeah. Well, she's, I mean, she's never going to be the same. No, nobody talks. She's mentally screwed for the rest of her life. You know, she's got kids that are missing her at Christmas now and, I felt really bad for that that situation. That you know, that was I don't mean to kick a bee's nest here, but like even the Chauvin thing, I don't think charging all those cops was right. Some of those guys were like on their first day on the road. Yeah. Like, what the hell do they know? You know yeah. what? They're just raw asses. They don't know shit. I think there you go with the narrative that you know things have gone so ugly one way and so ugly the other way. And I think if we had been another time, a lot of that would have been in consideration. But they just got taken down in the drain. But what does that tell the rest of your exactly. police department? The media hates the freaking politicians. Are we're just cannon fodder for them? Exactly. They're going to use us to get votes. They'll they like us one for a vote, and then they'll hate us the next for a vote. And then you got your own b- b- rank and file or brass throwing you under the bus to save their own asses. Kind of a lonely place for police officers right now, yeah. if you ask me. And I don't think we'll talk enough about their mental health too, because. You got to stop and think. You guys, well, you, I'm telling you, but people have to stop and think that they see, for the most part, the worst part of humanity every day. You know, when you sit down and watch the evening news and you ooh and ah and shake your head and say that's terrible, well, that police officer has to go home and be with his family after seeing that and have to be involved in that. A child being killed or some woman having the crap beaten out of her or finding a body from some rape victim or something like that, that guy's got to go ahead. And tr- he has to compartmentalize that and go home and try to be somewhat normal. Normal's a fake word anymore, but... When that comes normal, right? Because I remember the first couple times, holy shit, you know, that was big. And then it becomes, like, you question if you're going to be able to do this for 25 years, right? Like, But then eventually you kind of, it's a fact of life, man, and it, it's just how it is. And then, And then you look at it and say well, geez, now I'm kind of emotionless. And that's not right either. I got a star on my car and one on my chest. A gun on my hip and the right to rest. I'm the guy who's the boss on this highway. So watch out what you're doing when you're driving my way. If you break the law, you'll hear from me. I know I'm working for the state. I'm the highway patrol. We'll finish our discussion with Nathan from the Michigan State Police next time. And as I said before, we'll periodically touch base with police from different municipalities and states, large and small, because 
Just as we're trying to understand different races and cultures so as to demystify them, the same goes for law enforcement. We thank you for listening. We ask you to tell friends and family about the 360-plus-year-olds who are podcasting and learning about life. Hopefully, if Jill stops traveling, she'll be with us next time. You can find us on all the distribution networks like Apple, Amazon, and Spotify, and on YouTube via ethnicstew.com. Talk to you soon. This has been Ethnic Stew, a new podcast on race and ethnic relations from the standpoint of parents and grandparents of biracial children. Like Ethnic Stew on Facebook, check out our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and on ethnicstew.com. Get the f*** out of the way.